You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Thanks for coming back to yet another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. Uh, I myself just got back home from Glasgow. I was over there for a week to see Lola for my birthday. Um, Really nice trip. We recorded a a cute podcast for you too, so you know, stay tuned for that one coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Everything was great about the trip other than the fact that my suitcase didn't get there until four days after I did uh, because Heathrow Airport is kind of imploding right now, so that was the downside, but everything else was, was great about the trip. Uh, I'm, I'm home now and I'm, I'm back to work getting this podcast ready for you. And, and this week's episode is going to be from the APP conference with uh, Pablo Perlmutter. Pablo's on the board of directors and it's a really fascinating conversation to learn how Pablo went from uh, growing up in Argentina to being married, owning a studio, piercing out in California, being on the board of directors, all that stuff. So it's a really amazing conversation, uh, full of ambition, inspiration, all that other good stuff about body piercing. But also some nerd stuff for you. Uh, Pablo is on like, you know, team nerd as far as uh, piercing stuff goes, especially with the APP. So Pablo is also one of the people moving forward the new uh, jewelry certification program. So I heard about that a little bit more at the conference. I wanted to talk to Pablo, get that kind of explained to, to people out there so they understand the benefits of a program like this. Uh, Also coming up over the next couple of weeks, I'll have an interview with Brian Skelly, which is kind of like a a, a part two to the the jewelry certification conversation. We talk about understanding mill certificates and and why the jewelry certification program is is so important. So stay tuned for that. Uh, One last thing I want to mention just about the APP conference. I've been seeing a lot of people posting all these amazing portraits that they got at the photo booth. And I want to say a really special thank you to John Balk. Uh, put a lot of time and, and dedication into the, the photo booth at conference and uh, made some really fantastic pictures for people, captured a lot of really nice moments. Uh, got some really nice photos of myself and, and Lola from John. Um, so I just want to say thanks uh, for your, your hard work and your, and your dedication and also your talent. You know, you have a really good eye for, for capturing stuff like that. Uh, I have a few educational opportunities coming up for you. I'm, uh, I'm doing a live webinar all about bevel theory on Sunday, August 14th, 2022. That's open to professional piercers of all experience levels. So especially if you're not already comfortable with blade needles or about bevel theory or, or what those things really mean, I would love to have you at that class. You can go to ryanpba.com to get more info and to sign up. I'll also be doing a, a live workshop online uh, right after that class and we can talk about uh, how to actually perform this stuff, how to dial it in. Uh, also on Monday, September 5th, I'll be doing a live and in-person day of seminars in the Chicago area. I'll be doing a, a needle bending workshop, but also an open techniques workshop where we can really talk about how to mark, how to pierce, how to do whatever within the, the realm of body piercing. And I'll also be doing my live ethical sales strategies class. I don't do that one very often, but I've been getting asked about it more lately. Uh, different tips and tricks about how to sell all like that really beautiful jewelry that you bring into your studio, um, all different helpful stuff there. So you can sign up for those at ryanpba.com or you can send me an email. But for now, let's go ahead and get into this interview with Pablo and I'll be back a little bit more at the end. So uh, to start, introduce yourself, who you are, where people can find you, any social media or any other info. Great. Uh, My name is Pablo Perlmutter. I uh, am a piercer from uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. I born in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, I now live in Lafayette, California. Uh, I own and operate Lemonade Piercing with my wife Becky. Uh, you can find me at Lemonade Piercing uh, in all social medias. When when we met, you know, I met you as kind of a, a California piercer, an educator, um, all that stuff. But you know, you, you said as your your story started in Argentina, so I, I wanted. In whatever words, however long you want to talk about it, I wanted to kind of get some of your story because you seem like a really driven individual who maybe started with one community, started started with certain circumstances, and you kind of like, 
you seem like the kind of person who wants to do and be the, the very best you can. And um, you've had quite a progression to get there. So tell me a little bit about your story. Absolutely. So I started piercing in Argentina in the late 90s, uh, uh, early 2000s. Uh, and I was always driven to be better. Like I will wake up every morning and say, this is the thing I'm doing. Piercing is the thing I'm doing. And I want to be better than yesterday. And that has been my motto for my whole life mm -hmm. until right now. Um, as the only place I could learn at that point was BME. I started talking with a little fox and I started getting super inspired by, by those guys. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult because at that point, uh, most piercing was not what I was. I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was a chubby nerd guy who didn't look the part for piercers at the time. And it was hard to find myself. And in BME, I was able to find other folks, maybe around the world, mm. that was into the science of piercing. And I get super attracted to that. And as I was seeing them, it was almost impossible for me to get that kind of education. So um, in Argentina, just to give you some background, uh, it is illegal to do imports. You can't bring things from outside. All imports? Pretty much all of them. Okay. Uh, there's exceptions. Yeah. And you had to pay like a 150% fee. So it's, it, it's insane the yeah. cost of, of materials. Right. Um, Argentina doesn't manufacture medical supplies, mm -hmm. uh, which means that the only imports of medical supplies are uh, for hospital use or black market. Mm. And that's how most folks get their stuff. Um, so since I was super young, I will uh, go to other countries like Chile and Brazil, buying stuff and bringing it in a bus. Yeah. <laughs> and that I, I remember when I was at LBP, someone had to tell me a story about how they had to smuggle a statum into their country. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Uh, we had to smuggle so many things uh, into our country to make like the job easier. And about 2002, I would say 2001, 2002, I decided I want to use sterile gloves. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing. And there was a really long uh, BME <laughs> conversation. I was trying to translate it. So I used to miss half of the conversation. And uh, I decided I want sterile gloves. And sterile gloves was absolutely not available in, our, in my country. Even for medical professionals, was yeah. not available in my country. So I started going to Chile and buying them and bringing them in. Mm -hmm. uh, really shortly after that, I developed uh, latex sensitivity, uh, which makes things way more difficult. Yeah. Because even if I could buy them, if I could get them, the price of natural, sterile natural was Insane. Especially in the early 2000s. Especially in the yeah. early 2000s. Uh, I find a company in Uruguay that's about 45 minutes from Argentina. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really close. And I will buy them and bring them. And I was piercing with nitro sterile in 2002, something yeah. like that. Uh, it, I, I was always super driven to do what I was best, right? Um, I was traveling around the, the continent uh, trying to find education. There was small seminars. There was small things. Mm -hmm. And I believe in 2005, I met this piercer named Chango. Chango come to APP conference many times. And he used to work with Alicia Cardenas, uh, Soul Tribe. And uh, that in that convention, there was like a tattoo convention. He was doing a seminar, and I was the only one that signed in. Really? Uh, yeah, I was the only one that signed in. And he say, I, I won't do this unless you find, like, there's one more person. So I personally go around the whole conference and find, combine somebody to sign into this seminar mm -hmm. for him to be a better piercer. And we did a workshop. And in the workshop, I kind of learned about APP and what it was. And I learned uh, uh, freehand techniques. And at that point, I get my very, very first chance in violet. <laughs> my very first uh, uh, l little bottle of chance in violet. And my mind was blown. Yeah. And at that point, I started trying to do heavier research on how cool I get to that point, mm -hmm. right? He was piercing freehand. He gave me, uh, uh, in South America, we was using catheters at the time. Uh, he gave me a few boxes of needles, mm -hmm. of, of blade needles, 
now it's called needles, but we call them blade needles yeah. in South America. I, I'm really familiar with that terminology anyway because I'm in Europe so often. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that blew my mind. And I was using blade needles and just pushing the jewelry behind. I didn't know there was tapers. <laughs> right. Tapers was not accessible to us. And like what kind of year would you say this is? 2005. Four, yeah, okay. Five. I think at that point, I, I, <laughs> I didn't know. And I was in America with all the access in the world to everything. And I didn't even know about right. that stuff. We will push the jewelry, you know, like... Mm. Even 18 gauge, we will push them. Yeah. I, I, in that time, we didn't pierce that many 18 gauge stuff. I'm more than nostrils, mm -hmm. you know, everything was thicker. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, he teach me all those things. And I had a strong limitation that I didn't speak any English, mm. zero English. Uh, then in 2009, uh, the APP put APP Mexico. Yeah. They make the first conference that after uh, becomes LBP uh, after a few years. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm gonna go to Mexico, <laughs> I'm gonna get this done. And when I looked through it, it was about eight months of my pay as a piercer just to get the ticket and registration and nothing else. Yeah. So I did the logical step. I moved back with my parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I ate noodles for the entire year and I saved money to go to APP Mexico. And that's wow. uh, like how I get there. I got there and I met, oh, I met Eduardo for the first time. I met uh, Ron Garza, who has been super influential in my yeah. piercing career. Mine too. E even before, he was one of the only ones that answered me in BME and had patience with me. Uh, I met uh, Oscar Sandoval <laughs> and I met Brian, uh, which I, I knew Brian Skelly before because obviously I'm a nerd and I was in, a, in the search for yeah. nerds and he's nerd king. Uh, I would imagine <laughs> that you got along immediately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. Brian since first day. Yeah. Uh, it, Bri young Brian was a different Brian, but mm -hmm. uh, he has things to say that I was there to hear. Yeah. And uh, it was great. And I was able to identify with him, you know. I was that person that didn't look like everybody else, every other piercer, and I still could have a successful career mm -hmm. from that. I learned so much in that APP conference. I learned so much. Uh, I made so many friends. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I met Didier Suarez, who up to today is a really good friend. I love him very much. And then the conference finished, and I sit down in my plane, and I start crying. Mm. I cried my entire plane ride. Uh, I knew that I could not do most of the things I learned in Argentina. Even when the standards that we was working on was fantastic, even when I was working in the very best studio in the continent, I believe so at the time, um, the standards was not what all those folks was doing. And uh, I knew I was gonna have a hard, a hard time every morning waking up knowing I couldn't be better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was my dream, and, uh, you know, and that's what drive me. Uh, I go to airport, my mom picked me up, we have a, a uh, car ride that was all silence. I was coming back from the trip of my life that yeah. I saved for a year. I didn't say a word in about an hour that, okay. that ride. Uh, because you were processing it or because I, there was tension? I didn't know how to say it. Okay. I was finding the words and <clears throat> when we park, uh, I look at my mom and say, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, I'm gonna go to the US. Uh, well. What I wanna do is not here. Yeah. Uh, at least not here yet. Mm -hmm. and it, eventually, Argentina get, got better and they have way more supplies and there's ways to do uh, safe piercings mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, Matthias but is putting in a lot of work. Rata, I worked for Rata yeah. before I left uh, and Emmanuel and there's so many uh, good piercers there. Mm. Uh, there's no lack of good piercers, there's a lack of resources. Sure, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with those kinds of obstacles, import taxes alone is yeah, crazy. it's insane. And most companies won't even ship to mm -hmm. us. There was companies that did ship to us, but not all of them. Uh, so I started doing small trips to start collecting some money and try to find a way to get to the US. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to New York on, December 12th of 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, 12, 12, 12? 12, 12, 12. 12, 12, 12. Uh, this 12 is my 10th year here. Wow. And I landed in New York with $6 total. Uh, I was homeless. Uh, I have no money. Uh, in my mind, 
I was moving to the US and every single shop was an APP member mm. and work <laughs> up to standards. And I faced the reality that that was not true. Yeah. That was not a reality. I was working better in Argentina than most of those studios mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, I am lucky to have some family in the US. I have family in Michigan and in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I was homeless in New York, that didn't last too long. Uh, it was really cold. <laughs> and the third day when I landed in New York, uh, Sandy hits the storm. So oh, I was okay. in a shelter for a few days, yeah. uh, making sure that we were safe. And after that, I moved to Michigan. Uh, Michigan wasn't really forgiving for folks with an accent. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh, I didn't speak any English at the point, zero English. All my English was from movies, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> I didn't speak anything. Uh, I work in a really uh, off-standard shop in Michigan for a few days. Uh, I make a little bit of money and make my trip to Vegas. Mm -hmm. I take a train because it was all I could afford. And it was three days. I had no food. Uh, it was no fun. Uh, I make it to Vegas where I have cousins, and my cousins let me stay with them. Uh, they live in Henderson. That's like pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Uh, but they also work in Henderson. Mm -hmm. So I apply for a job. They give me a job here in Vegas. Uh, I got the job pretty fairly fast uh, because it wasn't that great studios. And was it like a tourist studio? It wasn't like a tourist studio yeah. in the area. And they're always hiring piercers. Yeah. Um, so I got the job and I was waking up at six in the morning every morning to walk from Henderson here because I couldn't to afford a bus. To walk from Henderson? Wow. Oh yeah, in Vegas summer. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would get here and put myself together and work. Uh, but after like about a year, I realized that there was not much that I could growth in Vegas. Mm -hmm. At the time, right now there's a lot of awesome studios, but at the time that was not true. The reality, eventually I got myself an apartment and I was a little bit more comfortable, but it was not my dream. It was yeah. not why I come here. And always like looking at BME, I was looking at all those California studios, you mm -hmm. know, it's like a cluster of amazing uh, piercers and yeah. studios. So after APP, once APP finished, my first APP that I attended here in the US, a friend of mine say, you, if you wanna be better, you need to leave Vegas. And I didn't disagree. Mm -hmm. So I packed all my stuff again, and I left Vegas with about 50 bucks, 100 bucks. I go to Graham Station the, the same day uh, after conference Friday. Yeah. And I asked the lady, how close to San Francisco can you get me? And she said, LA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was like, cool. Uh, so I take a trip to LA. And uh, in that conference, I met Roger Rabbit, who we're still really good friends. Uh, I love Roger very much. And I sent him a message saying, like, hey, I'm on my way to LA. And he was like, cool, come stop by to see us. And I stopped by there and he let me crash in his couch and he was uh, super nice to me. Yeah. And one or two days he needed some coverage, so I was able to cover. My English was still really rustic. Uh, and I make enough money to take my tickets to San Francisco. So I buy a mega bus to San Francisco. Wow. And I make it there, and I have met another person uh, who was uh, here at conference, and they offered me a couch in San Francisco. Uh, and when I uh, I make it there, uh, his roommate was Becky Deal, uh, who now happened to be my wife. Yeah. And I met with Becky, and I started going around all the studios in my first two three days. But I was a little bit shy of applying. I didn't thought I was good enough to apply for those shops that are a little bit intimidating. If you've ever been in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, getting there as a fresh piercer right. with no English. Uh, mm -hmm. It was quite intimidating. A homeless fresh piercing. Mm -hmm. um, so I applied in this studio called Exotic Body in Sacramento. Uh, I sent them an email. Uh, Mike answered me and was like, come meet me. Mm -hmm. So. I used the leftover of my money to go to Sacramento. I had a meeting with him and he said, cool. I showed him my portfolio and he said, cool, start on Tuesday. I was like, great. I get out there and I, I will never forget this. Uh, I was like, 
God, I get a shop in APP shop. This guy have all the jewelry that exists. Uh, if you ever met Mike, he buy everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and the conditions was fantastic to peers. And then I got out and realized that was Friday and I have no money, zero money. Uh, so that was harsh. Yeah. <laughs> I had to survive all that weekend with nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, then I took a, a, a friend of a friend allowed me, let me to stay with the, in their couch, uh, the Samantha, who now work at Exotic Body. <laughs> it happened. And I take the shop interview, I got the job, uh, I started working there, and I was living at Amtrak station for like six months. Uh, I was living in Amtrak station. Uh, sometimes I was taking trains, so I can sleep in the train, taking the train back, wow. uh, going to like a gas station, take a shower, <laughs> you know, gas station shower, yeah. <laughs> and going to work. And you know, many years after, Mike told me that he never knew that I was homeless. And I didn't want to talk him. I want to be like the piercer I will hire. I didn't want to be the piercer that sure, yeah. <laughs> like start like with the issues. Well, you know, th I think that that's probably the. I don't know how to phrase it. That's probably the the best thing you can do because sometimes you meet body piercers and they they create a persona. Right. And um, you know, not to say that there's anything negative about people's personal lives or any of that right. stuff, but you know, if you if you kind of do that fake it till you make it kind of thing. The, that can get you pretty far. Th that was kind of my goal. Yeah. And so what I was doing is I was uh, living in the streets and working at Exotic Body. And in the weekends, I didn't have weekend shifts. Uh, I was going to San Francisco and hanging out with Becky. And Becky, uh, I was staying with Becky. So I mm. had a pretty okay balance. Yeah. Uh, even when my life wasn't great, <laughs> I was moving with my suitcase everywhere. Um, and um, shortly after that, I applied for a job in Nomad and I got it and I apply for all the studios and everyone invited me to work and... Was that when Sean was owning Nomad? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With Sean. Uh, Sean was fantastic, I, I love Sean. Uh, I, I work at Nomad San Francisco and when Nomad San Francisco closed, I was working in San Rafael and I do guest spots in most of the studios around. Uh, I work for Darren, Darren invited me to work. Blue Star, yeah. Yeah, Blue Star and in uh, 2014, 2014. I think that might have been the first time I, I had a conversation with you in person was at was at, at Blue Star. Blue Star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so a year after all that mess happened, and I got a job, and I find a roommate, and I rent an apartment in San Francisco because I want to be a badass piercer like all the San Francisco guys, and I didn't want to live in Sacramento. Uh, nothing wrong with Sacramento, but I was missing up with all the fun stuff that happened in San Francisco. Sure. So I roommate with Mick Rawls which uh, former gauntlet piercer and cold, cold steel. steel piercer yeah. and he's great. I mm -hmm. love Mick. Um, I roommate with him uh, for a bit uh, and after a year of all that, uh, I became an APP member and it was one of my the happiest moments of my life ever. So that was what, like maybe 15 years into a career or? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, about 15 years into my career. Mm. Uh, <laughs> become an APP member and I was so excited about it. I was so, so excited. Uh, I started working really hard. I got weekend shifts. shifts. I, Exotic Body is a really busy shop. I also started working at Industrial in mm. Berkeley. I was working in all the good shops. Yeah. If somebody offered me a job, I would take it. Even if it was my weekend, I mm. would take it. You're uh, like the, the, the piercing mercenary. I, I was working in everywhere. Yeah. And it, like, I don't like to say not to work because I struggle with work so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, like, I love to pierce. Dude, I, I love to go to a shop and do cool piercings mm -hmm. and do better piercings. And that's kind of the mindset, right? Uh, in 2019, Becky and I uh, was already educators, APP members, uh, board members. I was elected into the board. Uh, I have been volunteer for many years in different committees. I work with you in outreach. Mm -hmm. I still in outreach. I work in membership and medical. I volunteer in most of the committees uh, right now. Yeah. Um, in, in 2019, we was ready to start traveling the world to do like workshops and seminars and different things around and COVID. Yeah. And COVID happens and we got so much airline tickets. Like we have so much credit in airlines. Um, and Becky and I sit down and we decided that we want something more stable yeah. for our lives. 
and uh, we decided to find the best spot for that. So what we did is we buy beta. I'm a nerd, if you didn't figure out yet. I, I know, I, I picked <laughs> up on that. Yeah, so <laughs> we buy data from four different cities around us, the ones that didn't have shops around. As I work in other shops and make his friend with everyone, mm -hmm. we didn't want to hurt nobody else's yeah. business. Yeah. So and also, it, it, makes, it makes sense to find a target market that's not already being served by a high-end shop. Right, so we buy data for all those places, and the place that had the best numbers was Lafayette. Uh, so we decided to open our shop in Lafayette, and we opened uh, Lemonade Piercing, mm -hmm. and we uh, have been successful since day one. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I can say enough for how happy I am uh, now. Like if if you think that that fulfilled my happiness, no, I still wake up every morning to be well, better. Well, you're a very ambitious person. I, I think that that's a, a recurring theme that we can pick up on is like, you're not complacent. It's, it's not just like, well, I can do enough here. It's, I want to do the next step and the next step and the next step. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm driven by the trail, not by the goal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I did a, a talk APP this week uh, called The Eye of a Tiger, mm -hmm. and because the eye of a tiger uh, is the trail of the fight. Yeah. And that's, that's where I am. Yeah. I, I like the action of pulling forward. Mm -hmm. And also I realized that when I push forward, uh, I push everybody else around me forward. Mm -hmm. And I love that very much. Well, so you know, there, are, there are people that you can meet in the industry where they're very successful, but you can tell that they got successful by stepping on other people to get there. But it really seems like you're more of like a, let's all get better together. Oh, you know, yes. especially I think that the mentality of that Bay Area piercer group kind of mentality of like a rising tide raises all ships kind of a mentality. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I want everyone to be better. Like, I don't want to wake up every morning and say, I'm the best of all the crappy shops around me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to wake up every morning and, be, and say, I'm going to be the better piercer I can be for this community of piercers that mm -hmm. are all amazing. And yeah. that's the truth of the Bay Area. Oh, all my competition, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, they're my friends, we yeah. hang out, yeah. uh, they're great. There's no shortage of great. It's California too, there's no shortage of clients. When there yeah. is an amazing piercer that's trying to find a job, I send them to my, to my neighbors. Mm -hmm. And that happened a lot. Yeah. You can ask all the shops around me. Yeah. I send them piercers all the time because I do want my area to be known by being the capital of body piercing, mm -hmm. the capital of safe body piercing, mm -hmm. where almost all of us are APP members. Not all of us, but most of the good studios are uh, APP piercers. And uh, I love that. I love to have a community that's all pushing forward to yeah. be better. Yeah. And uh, we are also all friends outside of piercing. We also get to hang out all together. Mm -hmm. and. It's the healthiest relationship I ever have with my competition. <laughs> good, good. I mean, yeah. a lot of piercers don't don't have that. Um, I think part of it is that you have to put in work to create that kind of community. Right. Um, it, it's 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 a lot of different elements coming together. It's being being in an area that's so prosperous and no shortage of clientele for Absolutely. all those shops to be successful at the same time. So people don't have to be adversarial and talk yeah. shit about each other and all that. Yeah, uh, also like we all have different flavors. Yeah. So when folks are looking for something specific that I don't offer it, I send it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And everybody else send it to me and that's fine. Yeah. And we love how we navigate that, at least us. Mm -hmm. uh, our studios mostly gold. We sell titanium, we have titanium, but it's not what we have the most. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of studios around us that do safe piercings, have awesome jewelry, and we're happy to send their business their business their way. Mm -hmm. And they send it our way when somebody is looking for gold navel jewelry or gold yeah. genital jewelry, you know? Right. We have it. <laughs> so cool. if somebody wants it, uh, we will be making that money. Awesome. And those relationships work out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. I, I think it's unrealistic for a shop to say like, you know, we do everything, you don't have to th ever even think about another studio. Yeah. You want to be able to have those studios because it's like everybody needs a day off or everybody needs to be able to come to conference or, you know, clients might not be able to, to travel to your shop for a downsize or something. So it's important to have those kinds of connections. Yeah, or well, I may be busy. Right. And they need something silly that I can't accommodate. Mm -hmm. And 
they, one of my neighbors may have five piercers in the shift. Yeah. We have w one piercing room, mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, we're For about now. to have two. For now. <laughs> yeah. We're having a second piercing room next week. Mm -hmm. uh, next week? We, we already built it. We're waiting on health That's department fast. permit. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we started expansion a few months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we are building a super large piercing room where we hope to have seminars in the future. Great. Uh, we have plenty of space and we have a permit for education. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And especially, you know, being married to someone like Becky Dill, oh, who's God, yes. also like a powerhouse in the piercing industry, yeah. the two of you together is like an unstoppable combination. Uh, can I swear? Yeah. We don't fuck around. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't. We don't fuck around. We definitely uh, have strong opinions. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, that they don't line up a lot of times. We have different strong mm -hmm. opinions, but we definitely rely on each other's uh, strengths. Mm -hmm. You know, I, each one of us have a different skill set. Uh, when folks want information, uh, I'm good at giving information, but Vic is good at um, conveying translating the information. There's a short list of people that I would consider to be like the ultra brainiacs in the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, you and Becky are there, but also, you know, Jeff Saunders, Brian Skelly. Um, and it's like sometimes the, the volume of information that you can have can be intimidating in a way mm -hmm. because some people might not be at a point in their career where they can really fully digest the, the volume of information. So right. it's great to have kind of like a uh, you know, a yin and a yang that, that works so well together. Definitely. And there's definitely customers that are looking for the two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really uh, easy to see the customers that come to see me specifically uh, and they want to know everything about their jewelry, how it's made, how it's, uh, what crystal it is <laughs> and all the things. Uh, versus the customers that are scared and they're going for experience mm. and they're going for uh, more uh, anecdotal experience and it, I don't know many people who have as much experience in genital piercings as Becky does yeah. and you can definitely see her customers uh, mm. are looking for that professional friendly voice yeah. <laughs> that, that does that trick and yeah. she's great at it. Yeah. 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 And you two are also just like really warm and inviting people. You know, you let me crash on your couch once when I was out in California and then we just kind of like hung out. And, um, you know, I also have to say, yes, you're a piercing nerd, but you're also a nerd nerd. And I love your collection of like, you know, all your helmets and all that stuff. And, you know, and are, you, are you still into like the knives too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do prefer, I do competitive archery as yeah. well. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I try to find hobbies, so I don't go nuts uh, mm -hmm. because my brain had a hard time uh, taking breaks. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a certain type when it comes to that. You know, like it, it's like if I'm not growing, what am I doing? Right. That was the same. That was the whole reason I did this whole like Patreon thing during COVID because it was like, what else am I supposed to do? It, like, I need a project. It is so difficult. Yeah. Uh, I find myself that a good way to disconnect uh, was making friends with folks that have no interest in piercing. Mm -hmm. And I, when I started doing archery, I find my friends that do archery and they joke about piercing, but they don't really care about piercing yeah. much and allowed me to disconnect for a few hours of my board work, my yeah. piercing work. That's important because no matter how much you love your career and piercing yeah. or whatever the career might be, you can't do it 24 seven nah. because like that's, that's how people get two years in and then they're like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like if you want a, a 20 or a 30 year career, like you have to be a fully formed person yeah. with other passions and interests. Like I, I like to just, you know, go to wrestling shows and travel for that. And it's like, if I didn't have that part of my life or these other things that are not piercing, I wouldn't be able to still be in piercing now. Yeah. You burn out really fast yeah. or you start overthinking small things mm -hmm. like, uh, I used to fixate in small little details of piercing that was driving me crazy and still drive me crazy, but I, I'm trying to do something about it, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And before I was just getting frustrated and I was hating in the industry and it was not the APP, it was like the industry as a whole. Yeah. Why are you all reprocessing tools? Why are you not using uh, stereo gloves? Why, why you have all those privilege of being in the US and not doing things the best you can mm -hmm. and it was me i was failing <laughs> i have a tunnel vision of my story and i wasn't looking at everybody else's story so 
stepping back and doing other things allowed me to understand how other people think and yeah. how other people live. Yeah. And instead of trying to force folks into things, uh, I move into trying to educate folks in why the things that I'm trying to say mm -hmm. are more beneficial and it, it's definitely less toxic. I was being toxic to myself. Well, what I've what I've learned over time, because yes. like I, you know, there was a point I, I kind of started piercing probably around the same time as mm -hmm. you, and and at at the beginning it was like you know I am correct in all things, and you know you just need to do what I do. Right. But now when I teach classes, I find that you get such better results if you don't tell people exactly what to do and just give them the final step. You give them the logic that would drive them towards making those same decisions. So. For someone who's like a disposable piercer, if you just say, just throw away everything, people might react and, and, and push back and be like, well, the, the cost and the this and the that. But if you tell them the logic that brought you there of why you don't want to reprocess and why you want to use the jewelry you use, if you give them that same logic, a lot of them are going to, to come to that same conclusion and that's so much more effective. Absolutely. Uh my communication skills definitely improve. Mm -hmm. uh, I, my English improves, so I'm uh, I able to communicate better to others and what I'm thinking or mm -hmm. what I'm learning. Uh, but I, I definitely agree. Education is where it is. It's not about complaining yeah. uh, for me anymore. Yeah, yeah. great. But I, I was there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, a lot of us were. There. So yeah, uh, and we're all getting older too. So maybe we're just learning how to be better people. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, also happened that the folks that I look up when I was a, a younger piercer mm -hmm. was folks with strong opinions mm -hmm. about those things. Like Brian have strong opinions. Uh, Alicia. Tom, uh, <laughs> Tom Brazza yeah, yeah, at that yeah, point. Right. Uh, Ron, uh, mm -hmm. all, all those piercers who really have strong opinions about piercer, yeah. which I don't, dis don't necessarily disagree with that, but I grow to see the other side mm -hmm. of it and see like folks who can do it and yeah wider perspectives with traveling if I go to a different country or something one of the least successful trips I ever did to educate was LBP because mm -hmm. at the time I tried to educate to my American Northeast standard and then just realizing that with people's income and access to right. material and, and everything, it was so unrealistic for me to expect them to just jump into the things that I would teach in, in the US. So now I really have to look at the, the whole picture and be like, well, you know, what are you capable of? What are you interested in? You know, what's the economics or, or you know, the, right. what, can you, what can you get your hands on? And then grow with that. And you have, to, you have to look at the person you're talking to and not just put your own concepts on them. Right, uh, luckily I speak three languages. Mm -hmm. uh, I speak Portuguese, Spanish, and English. And I'm invited to teach a lot <laughs> in different places. Uh, but I try to limit the topics I teach to things that are feasible, yeah. right? Realistic for that market. Realistic for that market. There's only one class that I think is not there yet. That's the disposable class. Mm -hmm. But if we plant the seed, eventually we'll take off a lot of issues that they have finding different resources as autoclaves, autoclave pouching, mm -hmm. uh, washers, ultrasonics. Um, if they get their hands into the right resources to disposable, that may be the future for yeah. other countries. But I try, totally try to teach things that they can use. Mm -hmm. uh, when I did my first APP trip that we talked about before, uh, I remember the feeling. And I see the faces of people today, Friday, at conference. And I see a lot of those younger piercing thinking, mm -hmm. I need to move, I need to change my studio, I yeah. need to do all the things, and that's fucking scary. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's one of the, the things that I bring up when I do the safe practices workshop, is saying like how intimidated I was by my first conference, and when I went home, how I was a miserable yeah. cunt of a person because I was like, we're doing everything wrong, we're, we're killing our clients, we need to burn down the shop and start over again. And yeah. that's, that's so unrealistic, you know? So you have to maybe like make a list and then look at that list and think like, well, what can I do today? But what is my goal for next year or the year after that? Right, and I think give you a, a chance to step back. Yeah. A step back and, be, and think if you really need a change, if you're really working in an environment that's not safe for you or your customers, mm -hmm. Uh, see if it's your own shop, what changes can you do, yeah. and 
how can you make them? Mm -hmm. Because nobody go back to their shops, burn it, <laughs> and start yeah. from zero. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a process. And I, I think what helped me the most when I come back from conference is know that I can reach out. Know that I could reach out to Ed. No, I can reach out to DJ or yeah. to Brian. Yeah. Uh, since well, that, that conference, I've been in Brian DMs weekly. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm a lot of people are. I'm yeah. still there. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a really good point is like, you know, the people that you meet at a conference, yeah. they, they'll they be your friends, yes, but it's also somebody that you can lean on. And if you have like stresses or anxieties or it's like, yeah, well, can I get some advice or what do you think of this? Like talk to those people that you meet at conference more than just once a year at conference. Yeah. Keep in touch with them. It, it, if I have learned something about body piercing is we all love to brag about what we know. Yeah. <laughs> so when you ask in a piercer uh, questions, uh, about your studio, about technique, they will love to talk about you, mm -hmm. uh, to you about it. And if they don't, just find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> that may be the There, are, there is no shortage of body piercers that want to talk about themselves mm -hmm. and how cool their shop is. Yeah, uh, we all like to brag very much. Yeah. And it, fair enough, we all work hard to get there and to have that knowledge and build those beautiful studios. Mm. Uh, yeah, we uh, you should brag about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so to to kind of move forward to some of the projects for today, like yeah. as you said, like you're you have a, a fingers in a lot of pies for committee work, and um, one of the things, like when coming into this conference, I was trying to make a little list of interview topics and people I wanted to talk to, and I've wanted to talk to you and, and get your story for a long time, but now you have this massive project. Uh, jewelry certification. Uh, mm -hmm. When when I was on the board, that would be kind of like a topic that was floating around there. It was like, yes, there are mill certificates, and we can say that like we approve this source material or this mm -hmm. and that. But it, it's it's very complicated for a, a piercer who doesn't have a lot of scientific knowledge to really fully grasp that concept of mill certificates and material sourcing and everything. So. To have a, a, a project that, I don't want to call it simple because I'm sure it's not, mm -hmm. but to have something that can be more relatable and more understandable for the average piercer that says like, if it has this seal, if it has this you know approval, then this is something you can trust. So talk a little bit about the motivation of it. You know, I'm sure it's been a project in the works for, for quite a while. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so this project started way before I was in the board. Uh, I, I sent a lot of proposals, <laughs> and that happened uh, since I became an APP member, pretty much. Um, so I have this idea on how to build a verification program where companies that fulfill certain standards uh, can be part, and we can make a list, so folks don't have to really learn about meal certificates as much and yep. as deep. Uh, so we started three years ago uh, with it. I sent it to the board, the board approved it. I was a membership coordinator at the time. And we started working on it and we started seeing a lot of interest. Uh, I started contacting all the companies and the companies was really receptive to it. Uh, but we find a lot of gray areas mm. in like certifications, in certs, in manufacturing, in uh, different materials. So we had to step back three steps <laughs> and build a lot of uh, infrastructure for the program to work, right? Um, when companies uh, provide us a, a meal cert, that meal cert comes from uh, the sourcing, the, per the company that manufactures the metal, yeah. right? Uh, there are not that many companies that source metal. That, that's not a really gigantic industry. Uh, it is a gigantic industry, but there's kind of a monopoly of six, seven companies. Well, in, in the way that, like, if you want the best body jewelry, it's a very short list. Yeah. So when those companies want the best materials, I'm sure it's also a very short list. It, it, it is a very short list. Uh, so. For the longest time, Brian and I and Christina Blasi too, we was sending the certificates to the companies and trying to get feedback from them, which was a little bit difficult. They're busy, you know? Um, yeah, and did, did you find that like they have any sort of like, well, trade secrets or this, or we don't want to give you too much information? Or? Yes and no. Uh, yes, uh, they limit the amount of information that we get. 
but one with disclosure that the company provide that. Uh, all we look for is a verification that that's truth, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if you're mildly uh, knowledgeable in Photoshop, it's really easy to falsify oh, yeah. that certificate. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so that was one of our issues: is uh, mil certificates that was looking a little bit iffy. Uh, so we started contacting the different companies and go contact with a person from each company. So right now, uh, we was able to verify them. We was able to get the mil certificate make a phone call or send an email and we will get the answer of that certificate is real or not. Yeah, okay. So like, are you working with this company, this yeah, vendor? Yeah, hey, you have a few different numbers mm -hmm. in MirCerts that they can check. And if that match, perfect. Uh, that means that it is true. Okay. Uh, so we are able at that point to start the conversation from this certificate is real, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, then there was a few different companies that was manufacturing up to standard and off standard uh, jewelry. And it has been such a hassle for members. Uh, as part of membership committee, uh, there is always a marketing fact mm -hmm. on that. And when they will call to the company, some companies will say, all of our jewelry means They'll misrepresent because right. they just, they, they want the sale. They don't necessarily care so much about that right. aspect. And there was no way to verify that. Mm -hmm. The mil certificates, uh, if you have ever read one, come with quantities. And the quantity has to make sense yeah. of how much jewelry is manufactured with that specific bar, yep. right? That thickness and all. Uh, so we was finding so many issues and inconsistencies with that. So just a quick question yeah. for, for me to understand, like what is the unit of measure for material? Is it by weight? Is it by like foot length? Like how Both. do they? Okay. Uh, usually in the mil certificates you add the weight and you get the amount of bars in each size. Okay. So one certificate is for one size of bar for X amount of, uh, of material, mm -hmm. but it's all in the certificate. Okay. Uh, Usually each certificate is about three pages. Mm -hmm. You have the page from the company that say what it is. Yeah. They have the first testing and the quality testing. So you so can kind of get a sense of like, well, if a company sells this large bulk of jewelry, but they only have this small base of the high quality material, you know that they're not making everything out of that material. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And also there's no way for you to know. Okay. Uh, Without, I'm sure, some sort of laboratory testing. Yeah, you can do TXR, but if, if you do certain testing, you have to test every single piece, okay. which is not feasible. Because you need a control. Exactly. Yeah. There's no quality controls in how that's done. Um, so we decided to start with manufacturers. And the reason why we started with manufacturers is because we get the best quality information from mm -hmm. manufacturers. We know what they're doing. We know how what they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, there's another monster in the side that's distributors. There are companies that design and do marketing but doesn't necessarily manufacture their jewelry. So we work with different standards that allow us to know if the manufacturer that make the jewelry follow those quality controls. Yeah. And I'm trying not to make it super boring. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I get it, yeah. Um, so once we find parameters of how things can be consistent and clear, then we uh, grab some volunteers that are part of our medical committee and we train them okay. very hard. <laughs> we have really specific uh, training for this program and we set a system that's transparent. Transparency for us is everything for, for this program. Mm -hmm. Um, and we separate the metals in phases. Uh, metals that come with certification uh, as titanium and steel um, are phase one. And the reason why we do that is the quality of information we get is way greater than sure. from other metals that don't have those standards. Yeah. Uh, so in phase one, we are certifying, we are verifying uh, companies that manufacture titanium and steel mm -hmm. that follow uh, uh, the FAR laws and follow ASTM standards. Uh, it can provide us with the right certificate uh, and they can update that certificate every 10 to 12 months. Mm -hmm. So we require for all the companies to update that periodically. Yeah, and um, I'm probably to show that they're, they have 
the correct quantities of material coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, we verify the quantities. We verify the weight of things to make sure that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if the numbers are off, we want to verify with the company first. So the entire process is uh, really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, Christina and I have been working with different health departments lately, trying to help them uh, navigate how to read meal certificates. Yeah. If you as a peer sort of thing that's hard, health inspectors have the same issue. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing about it is health inspectors don't have the same kind of like passion motivation that like a, a, a piercer, like, you know, your entire career kind of hinges on the, the quality that you want to provide. Absolutely. Health inspectors, it's just a job for them a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of them are faced with this as new for them. Yeah. Like, in, for example, California require you to follow pretty much the same standards as APP. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much of a copy base of APP standards. And most of those health inspectors have been doing it for a while and they don't know how to find it. I but mean, as a, as a body piercer, my, like I would consider myself to be a, a skilled and experienced body yeah. piercer and that whole subject just mystifies me. It, it is difficult. I am part of the ASTM as well. I volunteer in three committees of the ASTM and one of those is F04. That's the one that standardizes uh, the methods that we are looking at. Mm -hmm. And those standards are reviewed every three years. So the way of you reading the new certificate, it may change every three years okay. as well. And then you have to start over again. And you have of. to start over. Yeah. And that's why uh, we take so long with this program, because before we make the program a reality, we need to make sure that we have the proper training uh, perio periodically. Yeah, because if you're misinterpreting the data, the, the data, yeah. then everything falls apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And we want to make it uh, s strong enough for health departments to rely on it. Mm -hmm. So eventually, if your company has uh, is in the verification program, uh, we are hoping in the next month or two to have a, a list in our website of the companies that are updating Great. it live. That would be really helpful because I, I, I remember that being a very frequent question when I was on the board is like, well, where's the list of all the safe right. companies? And it's like, well, there is no list because we do it in this other, mm -hmm. more complicated way. The medical community has a list of folks that, that send us the certification, yeah. but it's not updated. So mm -hmm. sometimes we have that certification from 2014, yeah. and I bet you that company is not using that material anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to make sure it's consistent and it's clear. And so you, you mentioned there's kind of, you know, phase one is yeah. like, you know, the alloys, you know, but uh, is there a plan for something like gold? Yeah, that's phase okay. two. Okay. Actually, that's phase two. Okay. It, it will be pretty silly from us to make uh, Jewish standards without the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. That's nothing, yeah. uh, at least in my eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to work all together, and we are working all together. In, in the back end, uh, with all of the manufacturers, we get together, we talk. Uh, I, I'm in the phone with them quite often, and we're working on how to standardize gold, uh, at least an internal standard. It won't be an international standard yeah. for gold, yeah. but a way to test it so we can get a consistent data from their manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. Testing gold is very expensive. There are some companies that now are investing in testing uh, in, in their own testing, <laughs> having their own testing uh, machines. Uh, so we're working on that. We're expecting by December to have something pretty solid. Uh, I can't talk much about it, oh, but yeah. uh, what well, I can say is... We can revisit this next yeah, year. No, what I can say is we have a pretty strong uh, plan right now. Good. We are just trying to find a way for this to be accessible to all size companies. Mm -hmm because this verification program can't be only for the big companies. Yeah. It has to be for It, it wouldn't everyone. be credible if it was just these top, top, top companies. Exactly. It has to be accessible for people. Exactly. And mostly, we want to push other countries to start their own industry. Mm -hmm. And with this, uh, we have been helping uh, companies in Spain. Spain is now manufacturing their own jewelry. That's an amazing achievement. Biometal? Inari. Inari, yes. Inari is Inari. manufacturing their own jewelry. Yeah. And you have Canasteel in Canada, who's manufacturing their own jewelry. Kendra, yep. And last month, Millennium in Brazil mm. started manufacturing yeah. their own uh, jewelry. Andre and putting in so much work right, down there. Yeah. And we have been working with them mm -hmm. and trying to facilitate the information they need to make that happen. 
so I think like the final goal of this, in addition to help studios in the US and make membership easier, yeah. is educate manufacturers mm -hmm. and bring those standards of manufacturing a little bit higher yeah. so it's competitive. Mm -hmm. So a small company can compete at the same level that a larger company. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed when I, when I talked to Inari because they were like, oh yeah, it's completely compliant and all that stuff. And I was like, and it's, and it's made in Spain? Like that's going to be such an impact for, right. for Europe, just being able to have something that you don't have to order from the US. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. like Inari and also uh, Millennium, mm -hmm. uh, they have something in common. They started with mass manufacture jewelry yeah. uh, of country, and, and they would hand polish it themselves. They would hand polish it themselves, yeah. and then they figure out that the material wasn't what they want, uh, that wasn't meeting the quality standards that they want. So they do this large investment. It's a gigantic investment to do this uh, to start manufacturing themselves, mm -hmm. and that's through education. That won't happen if we don't educate. Yeah. On yeah. Wait, if you if you try to take a, a an accessory jewelry company mm -hmm. and you say like well these are the standards that you should work with you know these are the materials you should work with all they're gonna be like is well why we're already making a, a, a bunch of money off of this right. stuff there's no motivation without like education right and also like if we give them the keywords <laughs> there's a chance that we all use the keywords mm -hmm. without the paperwork yeah. and in my in my mind, uh, I think there's accountability for manufacturers that need to happen. Mm -hmm. the manufacturer accountability should be a thing. Yeah. If you're selling a product, you should have all the information about that product. And w the customer can be make an informed uh, decision mm -hmm. on if to buy it and what's the quality of materials that are comfortable working with. Yeah. But when it's a mystery and I'm just relying on um, marketing expert mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes you can get mislead sure uh, yeah I so get that a lot I that that's a that's a thing that I see um, in the the post conference pocket is sometimes people come here they have money to spend and they get kind of like led into buying something and then they get home and they're like oh I bought the wrong thing yeah, yeah. It, it, conference one was one of the things we was trying to solve ish uh, it's not a. W it's a little bit difficult for us to say no to companies that doesn't meet standards. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, limitations to what we can do. It also um, kind of, in a in a way. Yeah. Th both both sides of the coin can affect the credibility of the APP because Absolutely. sometimes you get people that'll come here and they'll be like, "Why did you let that company on the vendor floor?" But then if you say you're not good enough to be on our vendor floor, yeah. that's a whole other credibility. Um, we issue. want them to do better. Yeah. We want them to come and see all the companies that yeah. uh, are up to standard and see how successful they are and. We do want them to do better. We yeah. are not against the company. Mm -hmm. uh, we just want their standards, the quality standards, to improve, mm -hmm. right? And we don't want to isolate them uh, yeah. whatsoever. Right. Uh, you want to pull them in. You don't want to push them away. Right. They are part of the piercing industry. They are not part of our bubble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we want everyone to be part of our bubble. But at the same time, if you're working towards membership, we want you to be able to identify what companies are in membership uh, standards so as this year we give certain companies that submit the paperwork on 10 months mm -hmm. uh, stamp of approval they are in all the boots of titanium and steel manufacturers great so mm -hmm. members was able to go through their boots see the sticker and if the sticker was there they was safe to buy it the, the really and great motivating factor of that is the companies that don't have that sticker they're gonna want that sticker real bad yeah and yeah next year we're gonna go bananas with it Good. so <laughs> uh, the, what we give them was a pre-approval uh, as we have all the certification up to date mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot more of paperwork that we're working on there's a lot more in the back end of this program where we want to work with uh, stronger accountability for those companies uh, make sure they're sourcing from ethically sourced uh, uh, they're having ethically sourcing and they are having, uh, they are following all labor laws and everything else. Yeah. There's no place in our industry for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we uh, should be having all the paperwork done for everyone in the next month. That's uh, great. I was busy with the conference. Well, you're busy <laughs> with like 50 things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we want to make sure that everyone has the information they need mm -hmm. uh, to make uh, informed uh, decision at the time to buy jury at conference. Yeah. Uh, 
And hopefully by next year we have phase two and maybe phase three. Cool. Uh, phase three will be... Um, Infinity War. Infinity War, pretty much. <laughs> uh, glass and polymers. Okay. Uh, the fact that we don't use polymers right now doesn't mean that that's a technology that's off hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, medical industry use polymers for we use polymers years. povidone <laughs> uh, but we don't want to close the door for future technologies we want to yeah. make sure we are ahead of the game mm -hmm. uh, so that's great it, phase three will be other things and one of the plans that we have is to uh, work with those companies to get the MR safe mm -hmm. uh, MR safety is a category where you are allowed to go to MRI machine uh, with the that would be so helpful yeah because like I'm sick of having to do all those appointments in a week changing yeah. out people for glass retainers we we are uh, working with association of MR technicians right now and trying to navigate it it's kind of difficult but yeah. uh, I'm, I'm well, up for a, a a lot of them too like it's like well our, our machine is worth like how many millions of dollars we don't care about your piercing just take it out right in some cases they genuinely needed for to have visual confirmation things. Yeah, yeah, if there's a, yeah, a shadow. In, in those cases, we, the technician is right and yeah. your health is first. Yeah. Uh, but in cases where they just want to make sure that you're safe and mm. the machine is safe, uh, we want to try to have some documentation for that. So Great. we're working with them to be able to provide the manufacturers with the path mm. <laughs> towards that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it is. But I think narrowing down the information of jewelry to a more consistent and simple mm -hmm. uh, program. You use the right word in the beginning. Uh, we are going for easy. Yeah. <laughs> we are going, it's difficult in the back end, but we do have all the procedures and protocols uh, to handle it. Uh, but we want uh, this program to be like a flip phone. You open the website, you see a list, cool. Done. If somebody didn't submit it or on the 10 to 12 month period, they're out of the list. Mm -hmm. And if they submit again, they're back out of the list. Yeah. And it, it should be as easy as that. That's in, great. In the and I, you know, it, there'll be a, a positive financial motivation for these companies to yeah. want to participate. So I would imagine that you'll you'll want to, more companies will, pr will start coming to you and being like, how do we get this certification? Totally. And also like start conversation between, between them. Mm -hmm. And it has happened. Yeah. Uh, since we started this program and we started uh, trying to link companies together to different things, uh, there's conversations happening. Great. And they, large companies like small companies. Uh, I think they're all trying to thrive through innovation mm -hmm. <laughs> more than a cut through market. Yeah. Uh, and we love that. I love that. I love for the small companies and the big companies to work together. Yeah. Uh, same that very Pearson Group, right? Mm -hmm. and there's there's a market for everyone. Everyone yeah. is starting to buy jewelry, right. and all the large companies are backed up in time. Yeah, it's it's completely unrealistic to expect that everybody can get everything from those top top companies. You know. Right. And uh, actually, they was the most receptive to this. Right. Uh, to be like completely honest. Neometal, Leroy, uh, Anatometal, and IS have been super helpful, mm -hmm. giving us all the feedback. Uh, yeah. Barry has been super, super helpful with us. Uh, it, we have a terrible name initially, and thanks to Barry, we changed it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we want to work with the companies. We are not trying to take the companies out of the equation. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they do the jewelry. You have to be hand in hand with it. Yeah, yeah. we want to facilitate the education and facilitate the infrastructure for the plan, to, for the system to work. Good. Yeah, yeah, smart. Because like, you don't want to get on the bad side of some of these, these vendors. No, and yeah. actually like, there are vendors that are trying to do their best for yeah. decades, you know, and they're working hard, they're paying really well to their employees, they're doing all those things. Yeah. And we we want them to do better and we want them to have a clear communication to their customers right and we are the customers and our members are the customers mm -hmm. and it's more than one time that happened that people get mislead and end up spending tens of thousands of dollars yeah. and they don't achieve membership right uh, and that is something that we do see and we care and we care to fix it it's just in order to fix it, it has to be transparent. Mm -hmm. And we have to have all the protocols in place for this to work. And that's where we are. It's incredible. So 
Thank you and thank you to you know, Christina and everybody else who's involved in this project because this will be one of those things where five years from now you'll look back and you'll be like, we haven't just had this forever. We only, we've only had this for that short period of time. So it's, it's going to be really beneficial to the industry. I hope so. We are working really, really hard on it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it's my dream and I'm going to see it true. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you. So uh, one last time, go ahead and say who you are, where you can be found, any sort of internet, social media stuff. Yeah, uh, my name is Pablo Peralmuter. I, um, I own Lemonade Piercing in Lafayette, California. And you can find me on Lemonade Piercing in social media or I'm Pablo Peralmuter in social media as well. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me. Thank you. All right, thanks for talking to me, Pablo. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate something like this jewelry certification program. I'd like to pretend that I fully understand all the metallurgy and understanding mill certificates and all that stuff, but I'd be completely lying if I said I understood it all. Uh, I have that Part B kind of conversation coming up with Brian Skelly in the next few weeks. We talk more about mill certificates and jewelry certification and, and all kinds of nerd stuff there. Uh, I recorded a cool episode with Lola. She's doing like a full face of makeup on me and we recorded some some video of it too. But it's one of those multi-subject, ask me anything kind of things. We talk about a lot of different helpful stuff. Got new content for you at patreon.com slash ryanpba. I just published that needle bending video. That can be really helpful if you haven't gotten into needle bending yet. It's about 25 minutes. There's a subtitled version and an unsubtitled version. And as I record this, uh, I'm also kind of working in tandem on a, a new video for late July 2022 all about VCH piercing. So that's coming up soon. Uh, I've recorded some content about a couple different lip piercings, philtrums, and, and vertical librettes. I'm going to try to make some, some good videos with those. I have plans to do uh, another video about like smaller nipples. Uh, so the, the hits just keep on coming. So stick around. Thanks for listening, etc., etc. I'll be back next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.